We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. We got a special guest appearance right now uh, as Galadriel is uh, waving hello. I'm really excited about today's show. Excited to talk some ball with my guys, Tyler and Alex. We got Alex with a fresh haircut. Alex, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Uh, yeah, I didn't get a haircut for six months. Uh, so I've... Uh, I've How? <laughs> it's been six months. The last time I got a haircut was... Was it like the day before the Texans game? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a long time. Wow. I don't even think I can get, I don't even think I could last six weeks without a haircut. Yeah. Uh, it, it currently hair is different, but yeah, being stuck on an island will uh, help you do that for six months, I guess. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. When I was on my mission in Mexico, I didn't, I didn't get a haircut unless I absolutely had to. So uh totally understand that tyler is here looking uh, a little more tan than usual how is hawaii man how are you doing today hawaii was fantastic i've been there plenty of times but getting to go with your fiance is pretty awesome that was a lot of fun um mb in the chat is saying he's expecting more of a tan honestly if i bent over and showed you my ass you could definitely see the difference <laughs> in the tan i won't do that the lighting kind of adjusts now they're on Streamyard, but I i'm definitely a little bit more tan, but barely as tan as I could usually get. Is your never mind? I'm not going to ask that question. <laughs> it's still tan if that's what you're about to ask me. <laughs> it always is. I cannot relate as a very white individual. Um, anyways, but that's all good. So, uh, going to talk about some of the latest takeaways from uh, the final week of the Chargers OTAs, as those are. Wrapping up, I believe tomorrow is their last practice. And then mandatory mini camp starts next week. I believe it's Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday for them. Uh, so pretty much everybody on the Chargers has made an appearance at OTAs at some point, except for Austin Eckler, who always does kind of his own thing. Again, this is all voluntary right now. So um, excited to dive in there. Um, I've got to say also before we start, Tyler, I'm with you on Kenobi. I watched episode four today. Oh, it was, man. It's just been such a letdown. Like, I was I was so excited for this series. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I will not spoil anything. And we will not spoil anything that, that goes without saying. But uh, they just they had such an easy job with this thing, man. Like, just give us as much Darth Vader and Obi-Wan as possible. And Ewan McGregor is doing fantastic. But, man, like, there's been, like, 
12 seconds of Darth Vader in this series, and it's just been such a letdown. Yeah, it's the classic, I'm not mad at you, I'm just disappointed. And that's just kind of how I feel about it. It's not a bad show. It's an interesting side quest kind of feel to it. But I'm just disappointed. Like, of everything they could have done, they waited, they waited, they waited. And this was the story that they had to tell. And it's just like, I don't know. We're going to have to save Leia a couple of times. And it's not even really about Obi-Wan. Kind of Darth Vader's in there sometimes. We're going to get another showdown, but that's kind of it. Like, I just, it's, it's just disappointing. Yeah. It's not bad. It's just disappointing. Yeah. It's, it's not Boba Fett. Boba Fett was fucking dreadful. <laughs> that shit was so disappointing yeah. and bad. And so it's good ish at certain points. And like I said, U McGregor is really kind of carrying it right now, but uh, very disappointed. And I'm sure Alex has watched every single second of the series so far. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I am surprised that diluting uh, the brand has made every show worse. Uh, I'm very surprised that that's true for both Marvel and Star Wars. <laughs> very surprised. But yeah, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I think Marvel is more of just like you're you're trying to establish like the new characters into the yeah. roles of the old characters, and it's just not working so well. Yeah. Um, the Star Wars stuff is is hit or miss because the Mandalorian is fantastic. Amazing. Mandalorian was and probably is my favorite piece of Star Wars content, mm-hmm. uh, in, taking into account all the movies and stuff. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, you know, they're doing some other Star Wars series. They've already renewed Kenobi for a second season. So hopefully it gets better from here on out. Um, yeah. So Cal Slime pointed out Stranger Things is fantastic. I, keep, I will keep on saying this. Season three and season four of Stranger Things is elite television. Cannot encourage uh, checking out that show enough. All right, we'll uh, get to the football talk now as we're you know, kind of getting uh, more people in here in the chat. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Um, I want to start with uh, a little bit of a health update on Donald Parham. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he spoke to the media for the first time yesterday uh, for quite a while and, and gave kind of an update on where he was at his health. And he was very open about it. And, you know, as someone who's dealt with concussions, I really appreciated uh, you know, his dialogue and, and the, the things that he was saying. Uh, so for those who kind of missed the press conference, he was not fully healthy. He was not back to his usual self, he said, until uh, late February, early March. So he essentially dealt with a three and a half month recovery from that concussion. And, you know, it makes sense. It was one of the worst concussions I've ever seen in person. Um, but he is 100% now. He is healthy. He is back on track, although he did kind of wonder in the hospital he said that if he was ever going to play again kind of contemplated retiring um but that's that's where donald parham is at now he's excited to be back with the team and like i said 100 healthy and that really is the most important thing here I'm, I'm happy to hear that and we obviously saw him talking about being back but it i mean very scary and him talking about how long it took him yeah to recover and how he was afraid whether he'd play or not again you know so it's i'm hoping that he feels physically well enough and is totally cool with you know the risks and, and is like good to go. I hope it's not a money thing. I mean, it, it is for a lot of players. A lot of people just have to put their bodies on the line over and over again. And listen, if he has a good season, he could cash in with the you know Mo Ali Cox kind of contract. Um, so it, it's probably partially about that. But I hope that overall he's like just I'm good to go and I, I'm past this. So I'm hoping. It doesn't happen again. The odds of him getting something that bad again, hopefully are low. But, you know, again, prayers and all that sort of stuff for him to just maintain himself because that was awful. Yeah, no, I mean, just watching the game when the wind just got sucked out of the stadium. uh, I mean, that was just a real bummer time. I'm sad to hear that it took him, you know, three or four months really to kind of get back to normal. Uh, I mean, it's good that to hear that he is now. Um, but that just shows you kind of how drastic the injury was at the time. So hoping he can contribute in, in whatever way he can. Um, but, you know, uh, the more important thing is his health right now. Uh, and so, you know, I think the Chargers will kind of go into training camp knowing that, right? Staley's always been very aware of sports science and making sure everybody is okay. Uh, right. and, and having different regiments for different players, especially after they've been injured. So I'm sure they're uh, kind of aware of that. And so just hoping for the best for him. Yeah, we know that they, you know, took it slow with Asante after his second concussion. You know, Joey, of course, has had some concussions to deal with. So, they, unfortunately, they're they're well versed in in how to deal with helping somebody recover from this kind of thing. And um, 
you know, it, it's just great to hear that he's he's back and he, and he looked fantastic. Looked like he you know was able to you know be his usual self from an athletic standpoint. Sounded very you know spry, which was fantastic to to hear as well. So, I want to dive a little bit into kind of his role here because you know when looking at the Chargers tight end room, of course we can you know pencil Jared Everett in for Jared Cook, but you know Jared Everett's never had sixty. He's never had more than sixty targets. In a season, of course, he's never really been a true, you know, starter or tight end one, if you will, for a team. And, you know, Jared Cook is leaving behind 80 targets here. So, you know, there is an opportunity, of course, for Gerald Everett to, you know, walk into a very big role and set a career high in, in those targets. But, you know, Donald Parham should be able to, you know, set a career in targets as well. So I'm curious, Alex, what do you kind of expect the distribution to be between Everett and Parham as kind of the one and two, if you will, in, in terms of the passing game? Uh, I mean, in terms of the passing game, I still expect Gerald Everett to be tight end one, um, but you could also kind of make it a 1A, 1B thing. I mean, the, the big thing that we've been talking about is like whether Parham is a, a two or a 1B sort of depends on like what's his health going this year, right? And now we're hearing positive signs on that uh, going forward. So that's a good thing to hear. Um just gonna just gonna depend also on herbert's preferences right i mean herbert has his kind of like favorite targets that just kind of come naturally to him on some level uh and i think that if he really early on in training camp we start to hear that you know and start to see he has this chemistry with gerald Everett, then you know i think that could lead to slightly more for him if donald parr makes a big name in training camp uh, like some other players did last year, then you can see some towards him. So I think it kind of could like slide towards either side at this point. But Gerald Everett was pretty clearly brought in to be tight end one. And while he hasn't, you know, had a breakout Pro Bowl kind of season yet, it's also kind of because of the offense he was playing in, in both sure. you know, being a sort of backup with the Rams and then being in Seattle where they don't know what a tight end is, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that uh, that's kind of a consequence of that. But um, I, I think that ultimately you have Everett as your tight end one. And I think Parham probably ups his production from last year, right? Becomes more of a focal point uh, with Jared Cook gone. But I do still think it's kind of a 1A, 1B dynamic or 1-2. Yeah, it'll definitely be. I think it's more of a 1-2, I feel like. I think obviously the money just indicates that as well. It, it's tough. I want Parham to have a bigger role. He's. So I'm just, I was just scrolling through while Alex was talking. You know, fourth in the league last year in yards after the catch per reception, tied with David and Joku. Like you expect Joku to be this, you know, the speed threat, this home run hitter, athletic freak. And Parham is in his own right as well, and then tied him for yards after the catch per reception. So I hope he's involved more. I just, you know, like okay, they lost Jared Cook. There's a lot of targets that are gone there, but I think Everett's better than Cook, and it should be better than Cook. I don't know about or Cook. I don't know about targets. Hopefully, there's enough to go around. I think they, I don't know, they just. They still have Joe Lombardi. They still have Kevin Coger. They've defined their roles as Parham is just like this gadget 26 targets in 13 games or whatever it was he played last year. Hopefully they can expand on that, but with the exact same nucleus of coaches, same quarterback, and a better tight end one, I don't know how much bigger his role can get. So sure. hopefully it does. We've seen amazing things from him. I just like so going from 20 targets to 26, granted it in less games and fewer games, I believe. Hopefully he can crack 35 or something, you know, or, or at least maybe a more designated red zone role or something. Um, I guess we'll see. I don't know. I hope they're not. Well, if they do protect, like, do you think they're going to protect him because of that concussion at all? I don't know. Um, also, I just wonder if Trey McKitty is going to eat into some of those snaps. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if he is fully healthy, then obviously I think he would, you know, kind of take on the same kind of role. And I think for me, it, it really is just kind of a consistency from a usage standpoint. Cause I mean, if you go through his games, it's one target week one, zero, one, two, 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 zero, three, two, five, one, four, two, one. And then obviously that last one was, you know, the game that he got injured in. And so it's like, if you can give me three targets consistently a game, as opposed to, you know, little chunks of two targets, three targets, five targets, then I think we're talking about a, a you know, a very, you know, suitable situation for Donald Parham. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up, brought up the uh, yards after catch ability. You know, it, it really is super intriguing because the Chargers don't have like a ton of yards after catch in the receivers, but they have two like very freaky, twitchy tight ends 
who mm-hmm. can really kind of make things interesting on defenses in that regard. You know, we've seen Donald Parham really flash such a unique ability to be six eight and make people miss and then run them over. So I'm just so curious to see how that works it out. If you're kind of going to use, you know, your tight ends more in the screen game, or if you use them more in the end around game, like the Seahawks mm-hmm. kind of did with Gerald ever there are just so many different possibilities with those two because they are very unique athletic specimens right and i think if you want to kind of make the argument that it's a one two uh in the sense of gerald ever gerald ever provides more yakability than jared cook did right i mean uh or sure. you know also better catching the ball ability as well uh <laughs> than making the most of those opportunities so I think if you want to say something that makes Parham's skill set a little bit more redundant, it is having Everett there. But I think so much of it is going to be dictated by the game plan and how successful they are getting down the field too, right? Uh, Obviously, you're going to target Parham in the red zone, uh, you know, like they did last year when he got his targets. So uh, the more often that you're you're there, then the more often Parham is going to get the ball too. Uh, So I think it's a bit situationally dependent as well. I would not have guessed that Gerald Everett was 5.2 yards after the catch per reception and Jared Cook was right behind him at 5.1. But I, I feel like that's just a stat. I feel like overall yeah. we know that Everett is a better... Well, I'd say he's a, at least at worst he's a better yards after contact guy. Yards after the catch per reception, maybe they could be equal because Cook can burn. I don't know. Um, but Everett definitely back to contact. And also, yes, as everyone is saying in the chat... Happy birthday to my mom. Happy 35th Happy birthday. birthday. I'm almost your age. Um, I'm getting close, um, but you just <laughs> holding that 35 strong. Uh, mom, love you. And um, yeah, happy birthday. Yeah, happy belated to uh, Mama Shun. Appreciate the support. Even on your birthday, you're giving a super chat. So really appreciate that. Hope you had a great time celebrating. That sure looked like you did on uh, on social media. Um, before we get to the defensive stuff, because that was kind of the focus of the OTAs, wanted to wrap this particular conversation up with something that Arjun pointed out and was that the Chargers ranked first in touchdown percentage per drive, meaning that they were highly efficient whenever they could get on the field. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately they averaged the 29th fewest drives per game. Mm -hmm. So that is of course a combination of, you know, the defense not getting out the field, not getting enough turnovers and and really kind of the defense, not, (laughs) not helping Justin Herbert and company out that much. So, I'm like kind of in the middle here of like, well, there's not enough ball to go around, but also like if we just get like one or two more drives per game from this defense, Mm -hmm. then we could see like all of these guys really put up career seasons. So, um, you know, there's kind of that middle area, right. Where it's like, you're probably not going to see Justin Herbert throw for, you know, 5,500 yards, Yeah, but maybe they just get more cracks at it. And maybe that kind Mm -hmm. of even evens out too you know, these, the kind of level of production that we're talking about for all of these guys. Yeah. I'll have to find wherever I put this, but I believe the top three like points per game offenses all were top three in drives per game. And the chargers were one of those weird teams that were top five, but their drives per game, like you pointed out, were you know, 29th or whatever it was. So yeah, I'm one more drive. Give me one more drive <laughs> per game or give Justin Herbert one more drive per game. See what we can do with it. Maybe you get three more points for drive or you get like three points out of that drive. That could swing a lot of games. So one more would be great. That was clearly the focal point of their offseason. Yeah. And uh, obviously that leads into the current conversation. So Ronaldo Hill uh, had a press conference yesterday, and he he had some really interesting comments. Mm -hmm. And I want to start with his specific comment about the secondary and Mm -hmm. how they kind of went about approaching the offseason. I thought his comments in particular about JC Jackson were very interesting. And the kind of the way that he laid it out was that last year, everybody was kind of searching for their role. Nobody really knew who the number one and the number two, who the number three was in kind of that order. But now you have JC Jackson and everybody knows he's the number one guy. And then you kind of have everybody else kind of vying for those spots after the fact. And I think, you know, they did that to kind of create more competition and bring the best out in these guys. But I thought it was interesting that 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 was kind of the way that he viewed or, or phrased, you know, the aspect of competition was that everybody knows JC's number one and you got to get in line behind him essentially. Yeah. I I really still firmly believe that Michael Davis will be the CB two on the perimeter on the outside may not be the second best corner on the field, but I think he'll be the outside corner. So I I really do think he's going to compete. I think the money kind of still indicates that I think he's going to be on the outside 
I think Asante Samuel Jr. is going to win on the inside. And Bryce Callahan just kind of fills whatever need uh, there. I don't think he's going to be a starter. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, no, I think this that comment, I guess, puts into perspective like where this group was heading in, into 2021, right? Obviously, they uh, cut Casey Hayward, uh, and then that kind of left Michael Davis as CB1, you know, when they decided to extend him. Um, but it wasn't really like, oh, this guy's our CB1. It was just like, well, he's the highest paid corner on the team, and he's there, <laughs> right? So, you know, yeah. there wasn't that, like, natural promotion, kind of like uh, – Ronaldo Hill sort of mentioned so uh, and then they just were like okay well let's figure out who the guys behind them are uh, and then go from there but I think in the same way that they had Casey a couple of years ago in that Gus Bradley defense now that you have JC Jackson in this daily scheme very clearly the quarterback one I think that as a whole obviously makes the group more deep behind him but it gives them a little bit more focus in terms of where they're you know kind of headed uh, behind him obviously we'll figure out the specifics of who's boundary corner CB2, who's slot, who's this, who's that. But um, I, I think having JC, as Ronaldo Hill pointed out, like just makes everything so much easier, makes it flow. Uh, and maybe the CB1, CB2, CB3 stuff doesn't matter as much uh, in this daily scheme in terms of the designation since all these guys are going to play. Um, but I think clearly the coaching staff is a little bit more comfortable with how the CB room is laid out this year than they were last year. Yeah, and Ronaldo, you know, talked about that as well. And, and his exact words were, we got options and everybody knows we got options now. And so, um, you know, he mentioned with Asante Samuel Jr., of course, they, they are going to continue to cross-train him in the slot to make sure that he has that kind of flexibility. Of course, Bryce Callahan uh, is that as well. And, and your Brandon Staley mentioned that they view him when healthy as a premium slot corner. So there's a lot of shifting that really comes to you know needs to sort itself out but I, I like that there actually is stuff to sort out this year i feel like even though the, the pecking order was not necessarily known last year we all knew like okay michael davis is going to start on the outside sante's going to start on the outside chris harris is going to start in the slot and you know we kind of all had an idea heading into training camp and into the season and that was going to be the case this year you know, they do have some some really good competition. They have good options. They can bring safeties down into the slot because of the JT Woods thing. So, you know, these guys are going to have to, you know, get into training camp and show out. They're going to have to play well in the preseason. They're going to have to, you know, continue to play well through the season or somebody's going to replace them. So I'm a big fan of the way that they are approaching this. And, and you know, everybody is fighting for spots. Everybody's fighting for playing time except for JC, who obviously is going to be their number one corner. Cool. I, I missed half of that, so I just kind of showed up to be like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, there was another thing that he wanted to talk about that I wanted to talk about from his conversation as well. Um, a lot of people were kind of freaking out about the Chris Frump thing. I don't want to spend too much time on that. I want to make sure I get my notes right here. Um, so just one second. While you're doing that chat, what do you think a huge leap for Chris Rump looks like? Statistically, <laughs> statistically, what do you think that is? Let me know. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about it. And um, you know, this is obviously something that Arjun pointed out too, is that he only had four pressures in the one sack last year, right? Yes. 
a so, sack, I believe. <laughs> Richie says two sacks. That'd be so unfortunate. Um, but you know, to his credit, Chris Rumpf, according to Run on the Hill, has really come in and have has had a great mindset. Mm -hmm. He's worked really hard in the weight room. Um, he didn't specify the exact number, but he did say that he's put on a lot of good weight and it looks the part for sure. Chris Rumpf definitely looks more filled out this year. Um, and listen, man, like he's in a great situation. We said this last year when he was drafted. It's gotten better now. He gets to learn from Khalil Mack, who his dad is very familiar with. He gets to learn from mm. Kyle Van Noy, you know, maybe learn how to drop into coverage more often. So this is not necessarily a make or break year for Chris Rump, but like we need to see some flashes this year. And Ronaldo Hill, of course, you know, sounds like it's going to happen according to him. Fantastic. I hope he takes yeah. a giant leap. Obviously, they don't, you know, he's he's the edge four. Like if he was going to be this great player edge three they wouldn't have taken kyle van noy they are drafted or signed him they did that said you know he did show i was surprised honestly that he was better against the run statistically than he was Me against too. the pass um not that he was like amazing but comparatively he was much better against the run and listen he stepped onto the field in the preseason like watching him at duke he looked like a linebacker like he looked like a, a tweener sort of guy then you watch him on tv dude looks huge last year so if he's put on even more weight and added to his frame that's great stuff so i don't think he'll take like a, a monumental leap forward statistically but his development will definitely get there and then he will be probably the edge three the following year and that's as much as you can ask for for a fourth round pick at this point yeah i mean i i think if you're talking about like a big breakout season from him like it's just not possible this year right i mean they have joey bosa they have khalil mack and they signed kyle van to be edge three right and there is sort of the aspect well if you did think chris rumpf was going to take this monumental leap then why did you just sign kyle van Noy? so i mean that just kind of like it goes against that but of course they're building up to him being edge three potentially in 2023 um and you know giving him this year uh it, it's just more like i don't think he'll have the avenues to get that production where he's going to take a massive leap, but he also doesn't have to, right? I mean, this is very clearly he's going to be edge four. Um, and, you know, I, I guess the confidence in him, I think, is a good thing just from the standpoint that we, we've talked about a lot. The idea that Joey Bosa and, and Khalil Mack particularly have been injured, right, uh, in, in some of these previous seasons, Joey with his concussions, Khalil missing time last year. So in the event that one of them does, does go down and Chris Rump has to step in, I, I think the fact that Ronaldo Hill does have that confidence in him, not to have a breakout year, but just be able to kind of like sustain a certain level of play. I, I do think that's a good thing going forward this year, even though obviously the long-term implications of him being edge three are more of a 2023 priority than 2022 one. Yeah, so I think in terms of what kind of you know, leap can we expect? I, I think it can be a, a good size leap. I'm not expecting like anything crazy or anything like that, but I mean, he wasn't exactly given a consistent role either. So, I mean, he played one snap against Washington, six against Dallas, and then 24 against the Chiefs, um, and then nine, four, 11, 10, seven, three, 11, three, 31, 25, eight, and then 23, and didn't play in week 16 against Houston because of COVID didn't play in week 18 at all. So, you know, he didn't exactly see the field a ton either. So I think if you are talking about maybe like 225, 250 snaps mm -hmm. for Chris Rumpf, 250 is probably too much, but like 225 to 240, I feel like if he's, you know, consistent week in and week out, getting the same kind of reps, yeah. you could reasonably, I feel like talk about, 15 pressures and three sacks like yeah. kind of being being a really good situation for him and like i said like we need we don't need to see him be you know an elite player by any means or be an elite edge four or whatever we just need mm -hmm. to see some flashes and then next year is really when we need to start seeing it come together for him absolutely just looking at the bills because they really had the best rotation statistically maybe not like the strongest individual pass rusher now they arguably sure. do yeah. um but like they had five edge rushers with 10 or more pressures four of them over 20 Damn. even even boogie basham the other rookie only played seven games 11 pressures three sacks like if, if rump can hit 15 and three that's a nice solid improvement yeah and i feel good about that one for sure um 
off topic a little bit, we got a super chat from Joe Alexander. He says specifically for Alex, uh, he's in Philadelphia until Saturday. Your beloved Philadelphia uh, wants to know what uh-huh. he should do for fun. Uh, there's nothing fun to do in Philadelphia. We're all depressed there. Uh, you can go to the art museum, run up the steps, pose next to the Rocky statue, go to the Franklin Institute. Uh, if you want a cheesesteak place, uh, D'Alessandro's. What an endorsement of Philadelphia. I know. (laughs) There's a reason I live in Miami now. It's not fun this time of year and the Sixers are out, so I'm not watching the fucking finals. (laughs) uh, Also, uh, JT Woods gets more playing time, uh, I think. (laughs) <laughs> answer that yeah, yeah. JT was <laughs> definitely gets more playing time. Uh, I went to Philadelphia when I was like a kid, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's more to do than just like go to the museum and get a cheesesteak. I feel like you can go see the Liberty Bell, you know. Well, I, yeah, the Liberty Bell, but I feel like that's an obvious one. I don't know. If the <laughs> but... Phillies are in town, you know, go oh, see a Phillies game. Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> just I thought the Phillies were good, man. I, don't they have Bryce Harper and the, the guy yeah, who used to be on they, the Cubs? Well, yeah, we have Bryce Harper, and they they won three games in a row after we fired our manager. So I mean, uh, oh. yeah, that, that it's a but, but Joe Girardi's out. So uh, that's why I said there's not a whole lot of sports there to watch right now because uh, all of the teams are bad. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure there's there's more things to do than that in a city like Philadelphia. I'm sure, but uh, yeah. definitely go see the Liberty Bell. As somebody who's a history nerd, I feel like you know you never go wrong doing all that good stuff. Or if you're in that California, you can go to Knott's Berry Farm and see the Liberty Bell too. Dude, I haven't I haven't been to Knott's Berry Farm since we moved here, and I don't know if I'm uh, really ever planning to go there. Oh, why? Yeah. You don't, not a roller coaster guy. Uh, I, I I love Disneyland. I will say okay. that, and uh-huh. I really like Universal Studios. But you know, Knott's Berry Farm and uh, Six Flags are a little too roller coastery, if that makes sense. Oh, I just, I have to go with you to one of these places now. (laughs) I definitely have my, like, you know, say a prayer and close your eyes moments. But yeah, uh, yeah. well, interesting. All right. Yeah, Brooke Brooke found that out because we we had gone to Disneyland and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, those are a lot of my speed. Like, I'm in the Incredicoaster is fine for me. You know, that's that's kind of where that's kind of where I draw the line, though. Um, But we uh, there's a little amusement park in Utah called Lagoon. And they had this ride called uh, the Cannibal, and they would you didn't have anything over your shoulders. It was like one of the ones that like attach you at the hip, you know. Dear God, and like I'm a big guy, so like nothing really like fully <laughs> like straps me in, and so this like hip thing, I, I did not feel secure at all. And then you like go up this elevator, and then you're like looking over it like this, and so the roller coaster like goes like this. Mm. Does an S curve, and I legitimately felt like I was going to die. Wow! So I got over my fear. Speaking of big guys in linemen, I got over my fear of Supreme Scream at Knots. That thing that drops you. Are you okay yeah. with drop rides? Um, Guardians is good, but that's that's about it for me. Because like, if yeah. it's like take you all the way to the top and then drop you all the way to the bottom, I'm not okay with that. Yeah, I got over my fear of that ride. I was horrified, but I was in front of the team. You don't want to wimp out. So I go on, and the biggest guy on the team, who ended up playing tackle for Berkeley, was panicking. And it was so funny to me that I was no longer scared. So you know what? Uh, maybe that'll happen for you. Maybe I'll panic for you, and you can <laughs> enjoy the, the ride. There we go. Appreciate that. Um, there's our roller coaster talk for the day. All right. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about, speaking of J- JT Woods, kind of coming back to the question here. Um, Ronaldo Hill d- was asked about him and kind of what they are expecting mm. of him right now. Um, and he did confirm this is something that we've talked about, right? Mm-hmm. That they wanted to draft somebody like JT Woods so that, of course, they're going to move Derwin James around, but they also want to move. Nasir Adderley around and be able to kind of use him as a versatile chess piece as well. So I thought that, of course, you know, felt good for us because we talked a lot about a lot of it. Sure. Talked a lot about it. And then he also did say that they're kind of making things easy for him. They're only having him focus on the deep part of the field. They're not asking him to cover the slot very much or anything. Of course, it's early. Um, but that's where JT Woods is at right now. Again, you know, they like to take things slow with their rookies and kind of ease them into it. Mm-hmm. But if he is, you know, really only to fo- is if he's able to really only focus in on playing the deep parts of the field, I think that's very beneficial for him. 
And I think it creates a lot of opportunities for other guys to kind of move around and, and be that chess piece. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. That's wonderful. That's what he's currently going to be best at. Can you trigger downhill? Can you pick off a pass? I mean, not that it's that easy, but Ronaldo Hill mentioned, you know, he just gets the ball and turns it into immediate offense for them. Yeah. So, and, that, and that's what they want him to do. And that's perfect. I, I tweeted out, you know, Mark Webb feels like a guy you can line up against a receiver. And that's great. You have him for that defined role. JT Woods, you can play back and you use that range, use that trigger downhill, all that sort of good stuff. So it's good to hear that, you know, what we saw from him, what we heard about it. It's all, it's all coming together kind of as expected with him. That's really good to see. I was kind of bored today. So Ronaldo Hill specifically mentioned the interceptions. Um, I believe he got the number wrong too. He's like, I don't know. He had like seven, eight, nine interceptions. I think JT Woods <laughs> had six. So it's kind of funny to yeah. see a coach be like, I don't know. And, and, yeah. Um, so I was looking at it like, okay, you expect him to get interceptions. And that's based on his mental traits and his physical traits. Obviously, you're not just saying, oh, he got seven. He'll get another seven. Or he got six, he got another six. They're not doing that. But I was curious how stable, you know, do, do players in college with the X amount of interceptions hold that when they go to the NFL? And just for fun, over the last two years, obviously not this past draft, I looked at 10 players who, you know, were like had the most interceptions in college their final year. Um, some were like Eric Stokes, Antoine Winfield, all that, um, Julian Blackman, um, the guys that had like, you know, seven, six, five, four interceptions. Uh, of those 10 guys, they had 44 college interceptions their final year combined. And when they got to the NFL, those, those guys all combined in their first year for eight interceptions. They went from 44 to eight. So I assume yeah. they're betting on JT Woods based on his traits mentally and physically. And they are. But just for everyone who's curious, like, oh, he'll get another six interceptions. Like the best pass picking off guys in the in that co- in college, you know, forty-four to eight. So that was my random thing of the day. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that though has to do with just like the role guys are taking, right? If you're someone like sure. a fourth, fifth round pick at corner or cornerback or safety, right, then you're probably not going to get on the field as much, right? You kind of have to work your way into the rotation. So that's, you know, I didn't expect a steep decrease from 44 to eight, but that would, you know, kind of explain some of that. Um, but yeah, obviously they're going to be, you know, I don't think it's realistic to expect JT Woods to have six, seven, eight, nine interceptions uh, like Ronaldo Hill would like, but um, yeah. you know, he's going to get his hands on at least a couple balls, right. You know, get some pass deflections, um, hopefully a little bit more fruitful in terms of interceptions than Nasir Adderley has been uh, to this point, although he's been a little bit unlucky with some of the drops, but um, I, I, to me, I'm not really, I don't think there's a certain number he has to hit. I just think you more want to see like, okay, how's he playing on the field? How active is he? Uh, and, you know, obviously can he at least, even if he's not getting interceptions, get there for maybe one pass breakup every couple games or something like that. Uh, just, you know, to have those impact plays on the ball, even though he's going to be the third safety in that rotation. And then ultimately does he show you enough in terms of his traits and production this year to, to the point place this year next yeah, obviously you're hoping for those those kind of flashes. And just looking at, you know, the rookie safeties from last year, obviously the ones that, that played a lot. I mean, if you filter it to 20% of coverage snaps on PFF, you're talking about uh, Javon Holland, Caden Stearns, Trayvon Merrick, Trey Norwood, Talona Hufanga, and then Brandon Stevens. Um, you know, uh, Hufanga had – or I'm sorry, Caden Stearns had the least amount of snaps of 247 – uh, but he actually had a pretty good season in terms of his coverage ability. He had six, no, I'm sorry, he had uh, nine forced incompletions, two pass breakups, and two interceptions. So if you give me that from JT Woods as a rookie, I'll be very, very happy with that. Um, you know, Trayvon Merrick was somebody that Tyler and I were particularly high on coming out of TCU. Um, played a lot for the Las Vegas Raiders. He had five pass breakups and one interception. So he, he forced a good amount of incompletions. Had a good coverage season. Um, 
but interceptions are certainly hard to come by for these rookies and especially, you know, safeties who are playing there. So as long as we get one, two, I'll be happy, you know, get a couple more pass breakups because he's not going to be a starter. He's going to play a lot. Right. Um, you know, I think he probably ends up playing close ish to 300 snaps, but uh, definitely not expecting, you know, five interceptions from his rookie season. If it, if it happens, then great, obviously. But uh, as long as we can get one or two, Couple more pass breakups. I think that's a good good rookie season for uh, JT Woods. I'm sure they have, but have they defined DeAndre Carter's role as being a kickoff returner and punt returner? Um, as far as I know, yeah. Okay, just curious because the way Ronaldo Hill so. talks about you know Woods and that speed that's undeniable. Just curious if there's a a chance, perhaps. Did he return stuff in college? No, just talking about like he, tr- he gets the ball and turns it into immediate offense. Basically, he gets the interception and can gun it down the field and you know generate yards that way after the interception. You have a guy with that kind of talent on your team. I'm just curious if they maybe look at it and split it. But again, yeah, if they, I'm sure they already defined Carter as that, but I was just curious. I mean, they used uh, they did, Nas- did that with Nasir uh, last year. I mean, a little bit, uh, or was it 2020? Yeah, in 2020, he returned kicks every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he would do that once in a while, so maybe they look at him in that way. But, I mean, DeAndre Carter seems like a pretty targeted signing to just him being your permanent kickoff punt returner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so just wanted to talk about the 2020 rookie safeties as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Curl for Washington had three interceptions, one pass breakup. Jordan Fuller for the Rams, obviously familiar with Brandon Staley. Three interceptions, two pass breakups. Um, there are some similarities to me between Fuller and JT Woods, not athletically, because mm-hmm. Woods is a premium athlete and Fuller yeah. is not. But just mentally, the way that they process things has been something I've kind of been seeing a lot of parallels between my guy. Julian Blackman had two interceptions and four pass breakups. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Chin had five pass breakups and one interception. Antoine Winfield, who we all kind of considered like this great rookie safety, only had four mm-hmm. pass breakups and one interception. Yep. So it just kind of goes to show you how hard it is to come in as a rookie and, and you know get these game-changing plays. But Woods certainly has the skill set to do it. Absolutely. Yep. All right, guys, anything uh, else from uh, Ronaldo Hill's press conference that kind of stood out to you? Yeah, the the daily nightmare or the nightly nightmare, I guess, I have about, like, you know, he talks about Jay Rogers and that Jay has been with Staley in Chicago and knows the exact same things that we want to tell these guys up front and how to coach them. Again, why was that not the choice to begin with? I don't understand why he wasn't. I think it was by, what, week four or five, Staley saying, yeah, we need to do a better job coaching these guys to tell them, you know, to play what how we want to play football and play the run, X, Y, Z. Again, why was this not the decision to begin with? Uh, but, I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm glad it's Jay Rogers now. Yeah, that one was yeah. interesting because he – go ahead, Alex, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I was glad it's uh, Jay Rogers now, even though it probably should have been from the beginning. And uh, also, I think uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, based on his uh, mic up, is is very happy that it's Jay Rogers as well. <laughs> yeah, they definitely are you know, excited to have him around. And the way he kind of talked about it, he, he kind of framed switching Jay Rogers as almost like an offseason addition, as opposed to like he was here last year. You know what I mean? Like, he he really you know spoke very highly of him in, in my opinion, but um, I, I'm I would be very curious to be able to ask Braden Staley like what was the decision process to have Giff coach the interior defensive lineman because he was you know presumably kept on staff because he was Joey's guy right, and then you hire Jay Rogers and you you swap them and then this year you bring you swap them back so I would love some clarity there from uh, somebody on the staff. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Giff Smith coaching interior as is in a vacuum. But you bring on Jay Rogers, then there's there's no reason Jay Rogers should be coaching edge rushers. Did he have a, a run game coordinator role? He yeah, he is their run game coordinator, yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I'm sure that there's some crossover, but yeah. Like you know, we, we were told in the early in the in the free agency process that they were going to move him and then that kind of would influence their free agency plans. And then it's like, okay, so you, you clearly like had a plan for Jay Rogers this off season. Why wasn't mm-hmm. that, why did that change so much from last year? <laughs> I don't Wait, know. So Jay Rogers is confirmed run game coordinator. 
right now? Or, or uh, sorry, as far as I know, yeah. No, okay. Let me look at that before I before we move on. Joe Alexander, I thought you were a member already, but thank you for becoming a new member. Hello. Yeah, so he's listed as run game coordinator slash defensive line on the Chargers website. They have officially changed that from uh, edge rushers or outside linebackers, hmm. I guess. Hmm. Couple of so. super chats. Adrian, happy honeymoon. I don't know if you've had to put this off for a while because of COVID or something, but happy honeymoon, Adrian Whiteside. Happy honeymoon. Oh, he said Rams Chargers preseason in August. Okay, I thought he said Rams Chargers as in like the one in January. Still very cool, obviously, but yeah, that that Sunday night football game is going to be amazing. Uh, and yes, happy honeymoon. Was there another one? Uh, there was. I don't know if you wanted to talk about it now. It's about Herbert and Cap and stuff like that. We can wait. Yeah, we'll we'll file this one away for. Uh, a mailbag or something like that for you know Justin Herberts and uh, obviously there's a, a lot of quarterback stuff going all around the league right now so uh, we'll kind of see where I don't really think Deshaun Watson's contract is going to have much much influence on anything after all so uh, <laughs> but yeah what a disaster um, <laughs> yeah all right last thing that I want to talk about here was Kyle Van Noy in his mm-hmm. press conference. Um, I thought it was really funny how he kept on talking about, you know, coming out to the Chargers being refreshing for him after spending all those years in New England and in, in that culture. But um, I, I just have been so impressed with the way that Kyle Van Oy has bought into this system and into this team and into Brandon Staley specifically, of course, um, because he, he can't say enough positive things about this situation. And of course, you know, they have not played any games yet, but I, I think, Somebody like him, who has been there, done that, who has climbed the mountaintop, won a cup, won a Super Bowl, played in another, and the way that he talks about the culture in Los Angeles and what the Chargers are doing, I think to me, it really means a lot. And you know, of course, he's going to be an upgrade on the field, but purely from a locker room standpoint, like the belief that he has in this team, I think is going to go a very long way in terms of you know, building this team and building the culture up and, and building a Super Bowl contending kind of team and culture. Absolutely. Uh, two Super Bowls to his name. He just looks so happy just looking at the, the, the press <laughs> conference. Does, yeah. He, I believe, was born in Reno and then moved to California for a bit and then graduated from wherever. You know, he's on the coast where he, you know, he, he's kind of grew up. Wherever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't have all the Kyle Van Noy details down. Oh, I thought you were throwing shade at BYU and I was like, hell yeah. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Story. High school. <laughs> High school graduated from somewhere. But yes, okay. he graduated from the BYU. No. Uh, <laughs> he just seems very The happy. premier and, Utah University. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, again, he smiles with his whole face. He looks very happy. Um, it, it's like he got a vacation out of this too like he just he like he knows and he even said as much there's a time and place for every environment and at this point he knows i'm an edge three and you know people were they drafted me first overall and i paid me a ton of money and i played for belichick and i it was probably very intense now i just get to be an edge three there's like less pressure but i'm happy i'm near home i want to be here it's going to translate very well for this team, I really think. Yeah, um, and that's kind of a weird thing. He, he's had a weird journey around the NFL, right? Obviously being in that Patriot system where it's the Patriot way and you do everything you're asked, right? Um, that That's just sort of the culture there. Um, and then, you know, he goes to Miami and gets that, what he thought at the time was like a big bag. And then, you know, Miami cuts him after one year uh, and then, you know, goes back to New England, has a good season, uh, and then sets himself up, you know, to for this opportunity now with the Chargers, uh, where you know he's going to be with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, uh, and then has less responsibility to kind of be that edge three and maybe set himself up for a contract next year. So uh, it's just been a weird couple of years for Kyle Van Noy, and I think maybe just because of how erratic things have been, that's another reason why he's buying in and just like okay. This is very simple. This is my role. This is what I do, as opposed to being in some like very tight, confined system like New England and just you know the mess that was uh, the the Miami tenure as well. So I think this is just kind of a perfect 
intermediary for him where, you know, things work. And I think that's why he's bought into that Staley system with Mac and Bosa. Yeah, I think it's really funny because, again, he was talking about somebody asked him, like, oh, what, what's your role going to be? And he was like, that's a secret. And I'm like, we all know you're going to be a <laughs> pass rusher, man. Like, we, th- there's no secrets about it. And, you know, he said that to a few people, and then he went on Pat McAfee and was like, I'm excited to rush the passer again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we all know what's happening here. So just, you know, you don't have to talk about it being a secret. But um, he also went on Compass on the Beat with uh, Fernando and Gilbert and did a great interview there. And, you know, another thing he's talked about is he wants to leave a legacy with the Chargers. He, he like he's not planning to be here for just the one season, and you know, a lot of that is going to depend on where the Chargers are at financially and what kind of you know contract they are going to have to give him. But that's another thing that I think is super cool is that yes, he signed a one year deal, but he's planning to be here for a while. And you know, if he's willing to keep on taking these kind of contracts and playing super well, then you know, I think that is super feasible for this team and, and for him. Happy to have him. If we've solved edge three and four, we got Rump. We have Van Noy. Van Noy gets 30 pressures a year, 25 pressures a year, whatever. I'm all for, I'm all for it. Works for me. Yeah, I think that works for everybody. So um, that was everything that I had that I wanted to talk about from the press conferences. Uh, any other thoughts that you guys had about whether I mean, Morgan Fox spoke for very quickly. Love that we got to ask him about his tattoos for the first time that we got to talk to Morgan Fox. But uh, uh, any <laughs> any final press conference thoughts, you guys? Um, not really. Although I, I did think it was interesting that Ronaldo Hill specified. I don't remember if you've already said this that Asante Samuel Jr. and Bryce Callender are both cross training inside outside yeah. this year, which they've kind of already done, but they're still doing that. So I'm like, okay, I'll keep an eye on what exactly they're going to do there. Yeah, no, no more thoughts. We kind of mentioned uh, everything to this point. Um, but no, I'm excited about what Ronaldo Hill said, uh, you know, in terms of the, the structure around uh, JC Jackson. I think that's going to lead to big things. And while I'm skeptical of like a Chris Rump breakout, I think it's good that the coaching staff has that confidence in him uh, to mm-hmm. play in the spots where he's needed. Yeah, any improvement from him will be a positive step forward. So um that's gonna be it for tonight thank you guys so much for tuning in we are gonna do one uh more episode on sunday and then we're gonna be taking a little bit of a uh break much needed break for me um then we'll have some fun in general nfl content that we do every single year like we're gonna probably draft the quarterbacks and you know rank the head coaches and things like that so uh gonna be a fun conversation after that so we'll have some regular videos um arjun just posted something on patreon so go check that out kyle is posting a video for tomorrow and i'm sure tyler and alex will be doing some separate videos during the break as well so tyler alex appreciate it welcome back both of you to the states excited for you guys to be back here and uh thanks everybody for tuning in see you next time the headlines remind us daily The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com